What's up, everyone? Welcome to Stick to Football. That is right. It is me introing you today. Matt is out sick, so no today on Stick to Football. We're back to what's up, everybody, and a lot of news going on around the NFL. We're going to get to some draft stock in the college world today, answer some draft on draft questions. But before we get to any of that, I mean, between the trades and now the most important thing, Daniel Jones is getting the start for the New York Giants against the Bucks in week three. And I think this is something that it's a little surprising because it's pretty evident that ownership did not want to give uh, head coach Pat Shermer you know, the keys to doing this this early, but they've been given no other choice. Eli Manning is uh, clearly holding the offense back. I think Daniel Jones having a really nice preseason played into this too. I think if he struggled in the preseason, they would have had every excuse to keep playing with Eli. So when it comes down to it, if you're a New York Giants fan, this is something to be excited about. Uh, It's been a a tough opening two weeks for the team. Saquon Barkley looks as great as ever, but the defense is young. The defense is rebuilding. And when those two things come together, you often give up a lot of points in the NFL. And on the flip side, the passing game just needs some new life because it's now affecting Saquon Barkley and the run game at times. Teams are able to load up the box. Uh, They're able to designate, you know, some of their best cover players to shutting him down underneath. So I think it's exciting. I think it's an interesting decision at this time because Todd Bowles is you know he did struggle as a head coach with the Jets but in terms of being a defensive coordinator and scheming things up he's one of the best in football and I think a Bucks unit that we've talked about on this show personnel wise not the strongest defense on paper he's getting the most out of them right now and he can confuse young quarterbacks I think Bowles has been pretty good against young quarterbacks in his career especially once again as a coordinator uh, when he's just focusing on the defense and I think it's a tough task for Daniel Jones right out of the gate. You know, Golden Tate still serving that suspension. Uh, you know, Sterling Shepard is hurt. They don't have a ton of targets for him. They're going to have to rely on running the ball. But, you know, you're going to get Daniel Jones on the move in this one. You're going to get to see what you have. And that's the most important thing for this Giants team. They didn't come into this season expecting to be a playoff team. I, I don't think that would have been realistic. I think they understand they're in a little bit of a rebuilding phase. That's why you've seen a lot of veterans go out the door in recent years. I'll be the first to admit I I was a Daniel Jones dad, or at least he's a top 10 pick. I think there's superstar expectations that come with being not just a top 10 pick, a a quarterback as a top 10 pick. So I was a little bit of a doubter, but I think you have to be excited with what you saw in the preseason. I think you have to be excited that he should be playing right now. He's not a 20, 21 year old rookie. He had a lot of starting experience at Duke. You have him on that rookie contract. He should be playing right now. I I thought it was always a questionable decision to keep Eli Manning's full salary cap number on when they could have used some of that money to replenish the defense that clearly does need some help. That's a wash at this point. There's no reason to discuss it where you have to look forward to is the now it is the Daniel Jones era. Uh, I think if you're the giants, you want to see him go out and if not win you games, at least not be the reason you're losing games and find out, did we make the right call at sixth overall when we kind of shocked the world and took this guy. And I think it's once again, is it an easy task for him? No, I don't think he has the best weapons, but I think the offensive line has looked a lot better. He has probably what I would think is the best running back in football, or at least in that conversation. When you talk about the running backs that can take over a game, it's Saquon, it's Alvin Kamara, it's Le'Veon Bell. Christian McCaffrey, Zeke Elliott. Those are the guys right now. You know, David Johnson has struggled with injuries. I think Todd Gurley doesn't necessarily look like himself 
yet. So when you look at that tier one group of running backs, it's good that Daniel Jones has that. Now with the defense, you know, he's going to be having the ball put in his hands a lot, asking to go on scoring drives, because I don't know if this defense can stop a lot of teams right now. But at the end of the day, this was the right move, whether it is a really tough opponent or not. You have to find out right now. Another big thing in the NFL right now, a huge trade, one that, you know, there's there's been leading up to this for days. Minka Fitzpatrick wanting out of Miami. It sounds like this might even go back to summer. He's somebody that was not happy with asked to be, you know, playing a ton of different positions week after week. Honestly, he's probably just not happy with the culture in Miami. Not a player that uh, when you're coming out of the program, he came out of in college, not used to losing a lot of games. Uh, Minka's a young player a very talented cover player. A lot of people say, well, what's his best position? I think slot corner is where he's a difference maker. And now he'll be a difference maker for the Pittsburgh Steelers, which this trade really surprised a lot of people right off the heels of the news that Ben Roethlisberger will be out for the season. And a lot of people are, are, you know, uh, giving the Steelers a, a really hard time They're being very critical of this move because big Ben's out for the year. I don't think this is a trade that you're going for right now. I think this is, a really talented player on the market that the Steelers have missed at drafting corners or defensive backs over the years. I mean, a lot of different players, a lot of different players already burns. I mean, whatever you think is Sean Davis, this, the Steelers needed a sure thing and the cost is not cheap. The dolphins in return from the Steelers get a 2020 first rounder, a 2020 fifth rounder, a 2021 sixth round pick. This is per Adam Schefter. The Steelers get Minka, a 2024th round pick is a very uh, savvy move by the Steelers in this because that could be the first pick on day three of the NFL draft, which is a valuable selection. It really is. Somebody's going to fall. That's a really good get by the Steelers in this trade, a 2021 sixth round pick. So they just swap 2021 sixth round picks. Now the player, what they're getting in this situation Once again, he can take away the slot option. He can run with tight ends. He's a physical player. He's a leader. Now you have Devin Bush, Minka Fitzpatrick for the next hopefully 10 years on this Steelers defense. I don't know what's going to happen at quarterback. Do I think Mason Rudolph is the long-term answer as an above average starter? I do not. A lot of people will tell you they do believe in him. He was a very, uh, you know, very polarizing prospect that year in the draft. So, Some people had him in the first round. Some people had him as a day three quarterback. At the end of the day, the Steelers are going to find out what they have at quarterback. You know, they might go into the draft trying to uh, now it's going to be hard to necessarily go get a quarterback, obviously, but they'll be going into the draft knowing what they have going into the offseason, knowing what they have. They'll explore the free agent market at quarterback. Big Ben should get healthy and they should have him back. But at the end of the day, I think the most important takeaway of this trade is It's not a win now move. It's a win for the future kind of move. It's a, hey, we have a really young core on defense that we're excited about that, you know, is an established core. Mink is a very good player. I think you'll see, I know he had a tough first week in Miami. That doesn't mean anything when you're playing with, you know, a team like that right now. You have no help around you. I don't even like what they've been doing from the coaching side of things. So, I like the trade for the Steelers. Now the Dolphins side of it, they have a million first round picks next year. I mean, it's pretty clear. The Dolphins are in a full blown, full blown, not just tank, but rebuild Chris Greer. I think he's a very good talent evaluator. 
the biggest issue I have is you can't just hit on one of these picks. I know they're going to take a quarterback this year, whether it's Tua, whether it's Herbert, Jake Fromm, Jacob Beeson, a lot of different names thrown to the ring. Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts. Uh, we'll get into all that. I think two is the best quarterback out of the bunch. And I doesn't seem very close right now. And the Dolphins are expected to pick first overall, but there's a lot of season left ahead of us. And they got to hit on these other picks. Uh, whether that's one of the talented receivers, they have to rebuild an offensive line. Now they have to rebuild the defense. There's nothing left of this defense. So for the Dolphins, it's an interesting strategy while, while trading arguably your two most talented players in Laramie Tunzel and Minka Fitzpatrick in the same 30-day span. Um, you really, really need to make sure that you're getting the most out of these picks. They must really like this draft class up ahead. I mean, they must really believe that there is not just average starting talent, but franchise cornerstones that they're going to be aligned for. And it's very interesting for the Dolphins to keep an eye on the Steelers team this year. You want that team to lose as many games as possible. If you have a two top 10 picks going into next spring, that can change your future. If you get a Tua with a Jerry Judy and Andrew Thomas at tackle, it changes everything. DeAndre Swift at running back, who I think is on par with the Christian McCaffrey level running back prospect. So Miami, we've said it before, they're going to be a team on the show that they're the face of stick to football. Now it's hilarious to say that we we started with the Browns when we started this show and a little bit of the Colts at the time, two and a half years ago, we went to the Raiders. Now it's really the dolphins. They are in control of next year's draft and really beyond that one more big name that has entered the trade block and, This one really shouldn't surprise anyone. It seems like there's been a lot of friction with the player or at least, uh, you know, he's he's always an outspoken player, to say the least. A guy that does not like losing a guy that really does not like whatever's going on in Jacksonville. And that's Jalen Ramsey right now. You saw the sideline, you know, uh, you know, altercation, I guess we can call it with Doug Marone. And clearly there's a lot of friction between those two. Uh, I'm sure Tom Coughlin is not happy about this. I think Jalen is an interesting player, a very talented player, a player that really uh, needs to be in a winning environment. We saw what Dante Fowler getting out of Jacksonville has done for him going to the Rams. He's been phenomenal early on this year. I think after the trade, he was just okay. But after signing that, uh, that deal to come back to the Rams, he's looked very, very good. So, When you look at it, it might be a culture thing. I think Jalen Ramsey is a very good corner. I think he could be overrated at times, but they're going to get a first round pick back for him. That's what it comes down to at the end of the day. Minka Fitzpatrick, you just saw the trade package that he went for. Jalen Ramsey, it's going to be another big trade package. It's crazy this year in the NFL, the superstar caliber players that are being moved because of, uh, you know, they're just not satisfied where they are. And a lot of it has to do with losing. And it shows you, you know, that you can only be bad for so long before players really, really get fed up. And Jalen Ramsey wants to be paid. So it's going to be interesting to see who gets involved in this market because so many teams that are looking for that piece to get them over the hump have now already moved their first round pick. And if you're Jacksonville, you're not going to be looking for an end of round one kind of pick return for Jalen Ramsey. So those contenders that need a corner and basically every contender does, whether it's the chiefs, I think the Patriots have a great defense, but they're always looking to get better. You know, you look at the saints, those teams are not expected to pick, you know, in the top half of round one. And I don't think Jacksonville will settle for that. So this trade could be even more interesting than the big Laramie Tunzel deal. Uh, obviously the Khalil Mack deal a while ago, and now the Minka Fitzpatrick deal going forward. All right, now time to take a look into the college football world, our NFL draft standouts of the week. A couple new names on the radar. 
And this first guy, he really, really deserves some love. We've talked about a lot of running backs in this class, whether it's Travis Etienne, DeAndre Swift had another really good week. Uh, I mean, the list really goes on, whether it's Keyshawn Vaughn. It's a very long list of running backs this year. But now time for a senior running back. Hopefully we get to see him in Mobile, Alabama. Zach Moss from Utah. The way he has created his own yards at times, and he went, he had 100 yards on just 10 touches, uh, 10 carries this week against a pretty poor Idaho State team in a big Utah 31-0 win. But this is really about what's on film for Zach Moss right now. That spin move, there was two spin moves in this game. I mean, he just mashes the B button in the backfield to break outside for a big run. Zach Moss is one of the more underrated backs in this class. Once again, for his ability to create yards, to carry the rock for a Utah, a very good, very good Utah team here. So he's an exciting player to watch. And and most importantly, it's rare to see, you know, a lot of upper tier running backs stay for their senior year. They usually, you know, obviously get out, get to the NFL, save their legs for that. I think Moss has had a pretty decent workload after to the last, you know, two years. He's gone over a thousand yards over the last two years. He's definitely going to go over a thousand yards this year, over six and a half yards per carry already. 5'10, 225. He's a thicker back. That's the perfect build for a running back. He's compact. He's got the same exact build as a guy like Saquon Barkley. So Zach Moss has to be on the radar. If you're looking at, we always talk about the, you know, the upper echelon running backs that go in the top 50 picks. But if you can find those gems at the end of round two, round three even day three uh, I think that'll probably be closer for Moss's territory right now and he has legit NFL starting talent uh, at the quarterback position Jacob Eason somebody that we've talked about on the show a lot we've talked about that arm strength that ability to push the ball down the field for Washington they have to like to see the early returns for Jacob Eason so far I mean he looked really really sharp just the accuracy the comfort in the pocket uh, the one pump fake and then the you know getting to the ball uh, getting the ball to the corner of the end zone just perfection with timing I think the velocity on his throws has really really stood out he's a really big quarterback at six foot six 230 pounds he's almost at 800 passing yards on the year seven touchdowns one pick it's going to be interesting when Washington you know gets into some tougher opponents for him but I think it's you know he obviously had a a tougher game at Cal he really bounces back against a Hawaii secondary that can't cover anyone but as a prospect for Eason he's going to have a tough decision to make because he can come back to school next year. This quarterback class, you know, there's a couple of guys ahead of him currently, but just in terms of traits, I think it was a very, very strong week for him. You look at the Ohio state defense. We talk about them every week. Chase young has just been a menace up front. He's been the best defensive player in the country. Uh, He had two sacks. It feels like he has one great, at least one great play Every single week and Jeff Okuda, the corner playing behind him, looking very, very sharp in coverage. So the Ohio State defense is basically at the point where for the draft, they've become must watch. And Chase Young is going to be the guy this year where we have that discussion uh, is there a quarterback worth taking over him? And I think at the end of the day, someone like Tua Tungavailoa, uh, Justin Herbert from Oregon, Jerry Judy, wide receiver from Alabama, he might be in that conversation as well. But Chase Young is going to be that defender where we're saying, how can you pass on him? He could be a number one, number two overall pick. Should at least be in consideration right now already for the first 
defensive player off the board. So uh, just a phenomenal start for him. I think the hashtag defense for Heisman has really, really rung true for him. Another one of our guys on this show that we really have liked for a long time, and I think he was off to kind of a slow start, but LaVisca Chenault, yes, it was against Air Force, but just on that slant and the ability to break multiple tackles, Chenault is somebody a six foot two, about 220, 225. He's really bill or runs like a running back. Colorado just has to find a way to get the ball in his hands. And that's what they did after a very slow start. He hadn't gone over 50 yards this year in his first two games. He has eight catches, 124 yards and a touchdown against Air Force. And once again, his big play ability is what can get him in that upper tier group of the wide receivers. I think Judy's ability after the catch and his route running and speed rugs speed. When you look at the Alabama guys, Higgins ability to win at the catch point, same for CD lamb, but Chenault is the guy where you look at what he can do by just getting the ball in his hands, whether it's on direct snaps, whether it's on jet sweeps, whether it's on, you know, easy underneath targets, drags and slant routes. I think Chenault's somebody that can be a difference maker. He has to stay healthy. I think at times maybe the Colorado offense has limited him, but you can't sleep on what this guy can do in, in what is a very, very impressive skill group of guys. And one more that he just finds his name on the radar each week because of how electric he is. DeAndre Swift, you're talking about this running back group, how it's really starting to become DeAndre Swift and then everyone else. And you know how much I love players like Travis Etienne. I think he's a phenomenal runner, but Swift's ability in the passing attack, that ability to change direction and, and stop on a dime. He can really do it all. He's a great athlete, but I think we've seen a tougher runner this year. So RB1 in this class as a standalone right now, and it it, just, it would be shocking to me if this changes anytime soon. It has to, has to be DeAndre Swift. Going to take a break here and then get to all your draft on draft questions for the week. Draft on draft time, and we got a lot of good questions from you guys here this week as a lot of different things have been happening around the league. The first one from my guy, Jeremy Gunn, as Big Ben gets prepped for surgery and hits the IR, Going back to when you scouted him, what are your expectations for Mason Rudolph? So scouting Rudolph, it was in, he had wild, wild production in college. And, and I think a lot of people got caught with the gaudy numbers. Uh, he played in a system where things were a little easier for him at times. Now, I will say, I don't think I, I thought he was a long term backup kind of player. I didn't see high end starting ability, uh, a very, very average arm. Um, once again, average athleticism, I think decision-making against pressure will be something that he'll have to show he can handle and hopefully get better at. So I, once again, I don't think he's necessarily this long-term answer for the Steelers. Now that's okay because I think he was also drafted. Probably when you take a guy like that, you're looking at them as somebody that can hold the fort when your quarterback goes down. If for, it's kind of like how the saints signed Teddy for a lot of money you'd be happy if he could just keep you afloat before you go into that stretch one where you need to make the playoffs. I think it's tricky for backups that are especially young backups that, you know, weren't UDFAs. They're often looked at as, you know, can they be the guy? And I think most of the time why we see so many quarterbacks that are successful are really early round picks is because uh, just the ceiling they have. And I think Rudolph's ceiling is not very high. I'll say that, at the same time, I don't think he has this floor where he'll just be killing the Steelers and, and losing them all of these games. But 
I think when you ask, they're going to be a very run-heavy team, assuming James Conner's knee is okay. Uh, a lot of easy, quick throws. Obviously, Juju is, is going to be a big factor in all of that. So I think for Steelers fans, I think they'll be realistic here. I think they understand that Rudolph isn't going to be asked to be this quarterback of the future. And I think that guy will come probably not in next year's draft, but maybe two drafts from now while Big Ben gets healthy. It's tough. This is a team that had expectations to go back to the playoffs, and now that's in the hands of a quarterback where you want him to do well. I just think it's a lot to ask of him to be, you know, even an average starter, you know, a top 20 guy this year would be exceeding expectations for Mason Rudolph. But in that offense, you know, they get the most out of people. I'll say that with Pittsburgh, especially offensive players. They really do get the most out of people. All right, Patrick Chamberlain, Mr. Perfect Attendance here. Hashtag draft on draft. What are reasonable expectations for Daniel Jones' debut against the Bucks this week? And as I let off with the show, really, really tough one against Todd Bowles. I think Jones isn't going to be asked to throw a lot. You really got to get him outside on the move. I don't think he'll be throwing for 350 yards in this game. I think if you can keep it, though, where he doesn't turn the ball over, if you can come out of this game where he throws for 200 215 yards a touchdown and no turnovers and the big thing for Jones is ironically have not really been the interceptions Uh, he needs to hold on to the football and this is something a lot of young quarterbacks struggle with I remember coming out of college two guys I remember really had problems with this Marcus Mariota and Sam Darnold Darnold as a rookie it was non-existent Uh, they fixed that right away it's a very correctable issue Uh, I know with Mariota he hasn't lived up to expectations but once again the fumbles are something that you can really work on. And I think it's something they'll have an eye on with Jones as he starts to handle more and more pressure and seeing things and that feel in the pocket. So the giants are going to, this is going to be a Saquon Barkley, 30, 35 touch game. Anything else would really, really shock me. I don't think Jones is going to be let loose in that regard, but if he can do everything, if he can not lose you the game, which Eli has done at times for the giants, if he can just, Control the ball, control the offense, take what's there underneath. Got to get Evan Ingram involved. You have to get Evan Ingram involved. I think Jones will have, you know, one of those classic rookie debuts where things are simple, but at the same time, uh, not a meltdown, which is always promising for a young quarterback against a very, very well-coached group. Uh, This one has to be a joke, I hope, but maybe not. So I'll answer it anyway. Sam Robinson, should the Jets trade for Eli? No. Uh, Mike Cross, what are your thoughts on (laughs) from Jake from going into the draft? This is really interesting because from physically is not the most gifted player, but his IQ, his accuracy, uh, obviously a leadership standpoint and tangibles. He's up there and I don't think he's a player that will be drafted over Tua or Herbert. Uh, I don't know how that's going to stack up for me. Besides the fact, I think Tua is the best quarterback in this class right now. It, it's going to be interesting. I think Fromm is a player that has no problem going back to Georgia, trying to win. I, I think he out of this group of quarterbacks is the furthest from a lock to entering the draft early. So if you're him, you're looking at it in a couple different ways. You got to get feedback from the draft advisory board. Once again, it would be a surprise to me if he was drafted over to our Herbert. I don't expect that. Now you have Joe Burrow getting into this mix. Jalen Hurts getting into this mix. Talk about Jacob Eason and and obviously um, Jordan Love. Physically, very gifted player. Fromm is going to have to wait and see what he gets back from the advisory board. And if not, go back to school. I know Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence are in that 2021 class. But if you go back to school, you have an opportunity to win at Georgia. 
with a good team. I know DeAndre Swift's going to declare, but they always have. I mean, they churn out all pro running backs like nothing year after year now and a good offensive line and receivers, too. So you go to the senior bowl where your stock only I remember Carson Wentz is a senior. I mean, he, he came into the senior bowl. felt like he was a top of day two pick, you know, early second round. He left the senior bowl and everyone was like, oh, he's going the top 15. Uh, no matter what, he ends up being the second overall pick of the draft. And, you know, I don't I think that was wise. I think Fromm can have, you know, not a rise maybe to number two overall that year, but something where it'll help him a lot. So he's it's a great question from Mike here because he's one of the more up in the air for a talented player at the quarterback position. It is up in the air, whether he declares or not. All right. Peeps nation with all the fins picks. Now, have they already decided they're taking a quarterback this year and they won't wait until next year for Lawrence? Would it be too much to tank for two years? It's tough. I think maybe in Miami, you might be able to do it. You wouldn't be able to do it in, you know, obviously like in New York, they would just eat you alive. A lot of places, Dallas, Philly, uh, it would be I, I'm not saying I'm talking full blown tank like this, where they might not win a football game this year. And then you go into next year doing it again. I, I mean, you're going to go oh and 32 in a two year span. It's hard to survive that. And it would be a little unfair to Brian Flores, even though he probably knew what he signed up for when he took the job. I think the Dolphins right now, I, I remember last year there was a lot of smoke that they really liked Justin Herbert. And I think they would be crazy to not like Tua. So my gut feeling is with all these picks, they like the quarterbacks in this draft and whether they pick number one or number two, I think they're in a position where they're comfortable and confident in one of those two guys. And then the rest of the picks will be used to build around them. So if you're a Finns fan, you got to be thinking that next year down in Miami, a one of two or Herbert is going to be suiting up for you, but you got to get the players around them. You don't want to get your young quarterback killed. We've seen it so many different times. It just so many different times. So JP McCauley with a really tough one here. Rank the Ohio State edges as draft prospects. Joey Bosa, Nick Bosa, Chase Young. I'd like to see a little bit more of Chase, but he has a very good chance of being the best one out of that group. Uh, I think Joey was the safest so far. I think with Nick, he had more talent than Joey. But the injuries just always scare you. It's always something with him where he was never even really a full-time player for a full season at Ohio State. So it's crazy to say it because you'd like the year to play out, but Chase Young might be the best of them. He he really might be the best of them. And then with Joey and Nick, it's it's tricky. I had Nick uh, ranked higher than Joey. Nick, I thought, was the best player in the draft last year. Takeaway injuries. I thought he was the best player in the draft last year. And, and Joey was a, a top-five player in his draft. So it's close. It goes to show you with the Buckeyes just churning out top five, top 10 talent on the defensive line year after year. And even Sam Hubbard, I mean, a couple of years ago was a good player. They've, I mean, they always have good players on the defensive line, but they also have star players on the defensive line. And I think chase can really uh, be someone that separates himself from the pack as being the best one. Joe Martinez, what should the Jets main priority in the early rounds of the draft? Now, here we go. We're talking Jets draft already. Uh, week three. It's good business for me. Not good business for being a Jets fan. But he wants to know, basically, edge has always been a need, but the previous regime neglected the offensive line and cornerback rooms. I like the wide receivers in this class, but other areas seem to be more dire. It's a really good point from Joe. I like the wide receivers, too. If the Jets are picking in the top 10 again, even top 15, you know, can you use that kind of pick on a wide receiver? This is a good corner class. It's a very good corner class, which 
I know a lot of people have, you know, wanted them to make a trade, whether it's for Trent Williams, uh, whether it was for they're not going to get anyone from the Dolphins. That was not going to happen. You know, even Jalen Ramsey now. But I think they want to hold on to that first overall pick. And edge has been a big need. I need to see more of this edge class. I've really just keyed in on Chase Young and A.J. Epinesa so far. And then a couple of players I watched last year anyway, like Daryl Taylor from Tennessee. Tennessee's having a miserable year. So we'll have to revisit what he puts on film this year on a bad football team. <laughs> this is what happens when you neglect positions for a very long time. And you're seeing it. I'll tell you right now, Joe Douglas is going to prioritize the offensive line. And if you're a Jets fan, you should be getting very familiar with the name Andrew Thomas from Georgia right now. If they're bad enough, that's the player you go get. He's the best offensive lineman I've seen in this class. And I haven't seen anyone close to him right now. Walker Little's out for the year from Stanford. A lot of people had expectations for him. A big offensive tackle, six foot seven raw. But uh, I don't know if he'll declare. And even if he does, when you miss the entire year, it, it drops you back around. Uh, I think Andrew Thomas has to be the name Jets fans know for the offensive line. And most importantly, Joe Douglas has to know that he's got to protect Sam Darnold. You can't protect Sam Darnold from mono, but you can protect him from getting hit by defensive linemen. Nick Price, hashtag draft on draft. What are your honest, unfiltered opinions of Lamar Jackson? And do you think he can sustain his success? Uh, First off, I loved Lamar Jackson that year in the draft. I thought he was the third best quarterback in the class and a first round player. I absolutely loved the player. I thought the talent was worth developing. Now, with the caveat, he's played two miserable teams. He's been a superstar against those two miserable teams. Don't hold that against him. I mean, that's the crazy thing to me. He doesn't make a schedule, and everybody play. all the young quarterbacks are going to play bad teams. I mean, Baker Mayfield just played a Jets team that had no C.J. Mosley, no Quinn and Williams. They benched Tremaine Johnson. They had the ball 8 million times because the Jets' second and third string quarterbacks could not move it a yard. And Baker Mayfield did not play well. He missed a lot of throws. Odell Beckham made a phenomenal play. Nick Chubb ran the ball hard. Baker, that game should have been 50 to three. I was there and and he missed a lot of throws. It doesn't mean Baker is now we're all out on Baker. It just goes to show you other quarterbacks are playing bad teams too. So Lamar Jackson deserves the credit right now. Can he sustain it? There's going to be bumps in the road. Uh, He's not a top five passer in the league right now. It's It's not unfair. It's unfair to expect him to be that. But his ability as a runner and a downfield thrower, something he's been very good at for a while, he doesn't get enough credit for, a vertical thrower. That's why they spent a first-round pick on Hollywood Brown. People are saying, well, he's hurt, he's this and that. You know, it's it's a risky pick. And Hollywood Brown's played like 18 snaps and has been phenomenal. He's been uncoverable. So I think Lamar can sustain the success. I think Baltimore's a very good team. They put a good offense around him. I think these MVP performances he's had weeks one and two are not going to keep up because – you're not going to always play those weak teams. But I think Lamar Jackson is showing he's very much for real. And that's why you bet on talent and you develop it. And that's why he's always been a quarterback. Always been a quarterback. It's ridiculous to think anything else. Cloudy Future. That's a great username. Uh, probably discussed this already, but curious where you have this quarterback class. How many have you going in the first round? I see Herbert to a love going in the first. Maybe Hurts and Burrow if they continue to play well. It's early, but I mean, I feel pretty confident in saying that Justin Herbert and Tua Tungavailoa will be first-round picks. Jordan Love has first-round traits, and those guys usually find themselves in the first round because this goes back to Lamar Jackson. You bet on traits. It's what you do. So it is going to be, you know, I I feel confident saying Herbert and Tua almost feel like locks as first-rounders. Anything else would surprise me. It goes back to the earlier question about Fromm. You know, will he declare? 
will teams like all the intangibles enough that the lack of physical traits, you know, pushes him into the first round that, you know, is he enough of a, just a winner. People love to throw that around, but I think more importantly, he's an accurate, smart player. I think Hertz and Burrow at the end of the day will not be first round picks. Um, I think when we came into this season, we saw both as day three guys. They've outperformed that by a mile. They look like day two players that you can develop. I think Burrow in the new offense looks like a totally reborn player. And the same could be said for Hertz, but no one's surprised by that. I think for Hertz, he cemented himself as a quarterback, an NFL quarterback, which is very important because after how it ended in Alabama, people were like, oh, he should move. They wanted him to move positions. People thought he should play corner, running back, whatever it is. He's a quarterback. So I'm not confident in saying Hertz and Burrow first round players right now, but I'm confident in saying they've solidified themselves as probably day two quarterbacks that can only go up from here. It's it once again, it's an exciting quarterback class because you got a lot of different kind of players. Herbert's got great arm talent. Same with Easton. Two is very accurate, intermediate accuracy, good feel in the pocket, which I value that more than anything. So and Jordan Love is your traits guy. People are going to fall in love with Jordan Love. People are going to die on the Jordan Love Hill. Uh, betting on his projection, and that's okay because some of those people did that for Pat Mahomes and they look pretty smart. And some people did it for Paxton Lynch and they look dumb. You can go one of a million directions. That's why evaluating a quarterback is the hardest thing to do for scouts. It's tough. All right, Alex Hayes, how many quarterbacks do you think should get drafted in the first round this year? Kind of just went through it. It'll probably be, you know, right around the number of three. I think three and a half will be that over and under. So a lot of a lot of really good questions this week. Uh, you know, everybody's already all over the quarterbacks. That's what happens when a lot of teams start out 0-2. Everybody already wants to know what the deal is with the quarterbacks for next year's draft, especially when you have Miami. The Bengals will be in that mix. It's going to be very interesting at the top of the draft. Of course, teams will be looking to trade up as they do every year. It's it's Once again, it's a good year to be picking in the top two because you can get a lot for your pick. You could take a quarterback that you feel confident in. And as always, the draft is just all dictated by the quarterbacks. No matter how many Chase Youngs there are, no matter how many Jerry Judys they are, DeAndre Swift, those are talented, great players that will honestly, at the end of the day, I think all three of those guys will have higher grades than the quarterbacks. Tua will be the interesting one for me. I think Tua has a chance to be special. It's just going to be a really interesting group. Uh, Thank you so much for everyone that came to the tailgate on Monday night. Thank you so much to E11, the Winters Bros. What a tailgate. Uh, Amazing guys, even in a a miserable uh, Jets performance of second and third string quarterbacks. We had a blast. They were great to stick to football. Great to bleach your report. Everybody that came out is so good to meet you guys. We had so much fun at the tailgate tour. A reminder, we're in Madison, Wisconsin this weekend. We'll be getting things going early. Always check the pin tweet on stick to football or Instagram to find out our location, our time of the show, uh, where we'll be, what we'll be giving out. I appreciate everyone sticking with me today while Matt is out sick and we'll catch you guys Friday morning.